وَكَأَيَّمْ مِنْ نَبِيٍ And how many a prophet. And by the way, when you have this realization that it was written, it was decided, then isn't this a source of comfort for you? It is a source of reassurance for you. It helps you accept the situation. It helps you deal with it. It helps you submit to the decree of Allah. And then move on. Again, I'm not undermining the problem. Don't get me wrong. The problem may be huge. It may be huge. But when a person realizes that Allah allowed it, then he is able to accept. Then he is able to move on. Then Allah gives us the example of the people of the past. وَكَأَيَّمْ مِنْ نَبِيِّنْ And how many a prophet, كَأَيَّمْ means so many. How many? It's a question that how many? Which means so many. So many prophets. قَاتَلَ مَعْهُ He fought along with him by his side. Who? رِبِّيُّونَ كَثِيرٌ Many religious scholars. Many devout servants. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is comforting the companions that you're not the only ones who are fighting by the side of your prophet. But rather in the past, many prophets have had to fight their enemies. And by those prophets were who? رِبِّيُّونَ kathir. The word رِبِّيُّونَ is a plural of ribbi, And ribbi is from Rabb. Nisba to Rabb. Just like we read the word رَبَّانِيُّونَ so Ribbi is actually Rabbiyun, but Ra, the Fatha and the Ra, is changed to a Kasra. And this happens with many words of Nisba. And remember Nisba, that when you link someone to a place or an object or another individual. So for example, if a person is from Canada, he is called Canadian. If a person is from Pakistan, he is called Pakistani. This is what? Nisba to Pakistan. Nisba to Canada. Okay, so ربيون are who? Nisbatu Rab, meaning servants of the Lord, servants of the Lord, devout servants. And secondly, it is said that ربيون is from the word ribba, and ribba means a large band, a huge group of people. Some say that it refers to a group of ten thousand people. Ibn Mas'ud said many thousands. So ribbi is basically a jama'ah, a ta'ifa. So how many a prophet before, alongside him, who fought devout servants of Allah? Or many, many people, many people, large bands, meaning the prophets did not fight alone, but rather along with them were who? Large bands of devout servants, of believers. Kathirun, many. And obviously, qatala, qital, means war, fighting, and in that process, they will kill and will be killed. Just like at the battle of Uhud, what happened? They inflicted slaughter and they were also slaughtered, right? They killed many and they were also killed. At Badr also this happened. So in Qital, what happens? Death, killing. So Allah says that before also, many prophets fought, along with them their followers did so, and when they suffered loss, when many were killed, what was their reaction? فَمَا وَهَنُوا So they did not weaken. They did not lose heart. Over what? لِمَا أَصَابَهُمْ Over that which reached them فِي سَبِيلِ الله, In the way of Allah. They did not lose heart when they suffered something in the way of Allah. 
They did not lose confidence over what they had suffered in the way of Allah. Even if that meant that many of their men had been slain, many of their people had been killed, even if that meant that their prophet, their leader had been killed. They did not give up. فَمَا وَهَنُوا What does this word wahan mean? We have done this word earlier as well, and it means weakness. The weakness of determination, to feel deflated, to give up, to lose confidence, to lose motivation. So they did not lose motivation. They did not give up. They didn't say, oh we can't do this, it's too difficult, we are very few. No. فَمَا وَهَنُوا لِمَا أَصَابَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And in the way of Allah, do you suffer? Tell me, do you suffer in the way of Allah? So for example, in the process of learning the deen, do you suffer? Or you don't? Because there are some people who stay up late to do their assignment, to do their homework, right? There are some people who have their little babies and still they're coming to class and their babies are at home with somebody else. They wish they could be with their baby, but they have to leave their newborn. Isn't that suffering in the way of Allah? Sometimes other people mock at you, they pass comments on you, are you still going to class? Let's see how long you'll go for, right? Or they mock you for the changes that you're bringing in your life. So, suffering does come. But when you realize that it's in the way of Allah, then you have a reason to continue. Like it may happen that a person comes and somebody hits their car in the parking lot, right? Scratches their car. Isn't that suffering in the way of Allah? Yes. Or they're coming and they're coming in the snow on the ice and they fall and they get hurt and they're like, you know, this class, seriously, it's about time I leave it. I even fell on the ice and hurt my back so bad. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, he was on a certain expedition once and his finger got injured. It was bleeding. Okay? And you know what he said? He said, هَلْ أَنْتِ إِلَّا إِصْبَعٌ دَمِيتِ وَفِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ مَا لَقِيتِ Are you anything but a finger that is injured? And what you have met is in the cause of Allah. Meaning you're only a finger that has been injured, that is bleeding. And if you are bleeding, it doesn't matter because you are bleeding in the cause of Allah. So it's like as though he was reassuring himself. You know when you're bleeding, when you're cut, when you're wounded, when you're hurting, then you really feel like giving up. When you're hurt, you get deflated. You lose that passion, you lose that confidence, you lose that energy. And at that time you need to remind yourself that it doesn't matter. It's only a cut. I could have suffered this in my kitchen even. Right? It's only a few hours of sleep that I'm losing. I would have lost that. If I had a party at my house and I had a whole lot of dishes to deal with, right? I could have lost those hours of sleep if I had to drive someone to the airport to pick them up or to drop them, right? Isn't that so? So reminding yourself that it's only in the way of Allah and this is something that is rewardable. This will fill you up with energy. In fact, it will give you more energy. It will give you more passion. The Prophet wasallam. Look at him. He said, you're only a finger that is bleeding. And if you're bleeding, it's because you're in the way of Allah. So the people of the past, the righteous scholars of the past, those who fought alongside their prophets, when they suffered in the way of Allah, they did not lose their confidence. وَمَا ضَعُفُوا And they did not weaken. ضَعُفُوا From ضَعُف ضَعْفَ ضَعْفَ Weakness. Physical weakness. They did not become physically weak. Does it ever happen with you that 
there is so much work that has to be done, but you just don't have the physical energy. You don't have the physical strength. You can't find that strength. And you just give up and you go sleep. Huh? You just give up and turn the television on. This is not the attitude of those who are in the way of Allah. Those who are in the way of Allah, even when they're physically tired, what happens? They have that energy, that passion, that gives them the strength to continue. Imagine how exhausted the companions must have been. Remember, they left early in the morning for the battle of Uhud. And then they fought. And they were injured. They were wounded. They were killed. And those who had survived, they were with the Prophet ﷺ. And they had to climb up a mountain in order to take refuge. Because when you have a goal to accomplish, then you don't know from where the energy comes. Isn't it so? When you have something that you desperately want, that you desperately need, you don't even realize from where the energy comes. But it comes. Because Allah gives that. Because the goal is very high. It's very important to you. This is just like the Prophet ﷺ when the two rings from his helmet got stuck in his cheek. One of the companions, he tried to take those rings out with his mouth. And you know what happened? Meaning he tried to pull them out with his mouth because from his hands it wasn't working. So he had to use his teeth in order to take them out. This is just like if you're trying to open a bottle, your hands don't work. What do you do? You put it in your mouth and you twist it, right? So he tried doing that and in that process his teeth broke. His teeth broke. They came out. Imagine how hard he must have tried. His teeth broke. They did not say, no, I'm too tired. I'll get hurt. It will hurt me. And please, be strong. Don't be weak. Don't be you know, weaklings. Rather be strong women. And Allah has given you a lot of strength. If women can carry babies and nurse them, You know how strong their arms can be and they do all those dishes and they stand in the kitchen for so long. Imagine the strength in their feet and their legs and their back and their arms and their hands. This is how strong you are. You're even stronger. So don't say, oh, ouch, the pin poked me. Oh, ouch, I got a paper cut. Oh, ouch, someone bumped into me. Come on. Don't complain over little, little things. Be a little strong. In fact, a lot strong because you are. وَمَا ضَعُفُوا They did not weaken. And they did not even succumb. They did not give in. They did not surrender. They did not submit to who? To the enemy. On seeing the enemy, they didn't say, we give up. No. Istakanu is from the word istikana, from the root letter sin kafnun. Sakana is to be immobile, to become still. The word miskin is also from the same word. Some people need a little bit of energy because they're falling asleep. وَمَا hmm? ضَعُفُوا Don't weaken. Take off your jacket. Okay? Rub your eyes. Those of you who are falling asleep. وَمَا ضَعُفُوا You're in the way of Allah. Don't become physically weak. Okay? Sit with your back straight. Good job. And if you're feeling hot and sleepy, take your jacket off. Rub your eyes. Okay? So istikana is what? To become humble. To give up. To surrender. That when you see that the enemy is so strong, you say, I don't have the strength. I don't think I can deal with it. And you just give up. 
وَمَسْتَكَانُوا They did not give up. They did not succumb to their enemy. Rather, they were patient. They stood their ground. It didn't matter how many of their men had been killed by the enemy. They did not lose heart. They did not feel weak. They did not give up. Rather, they were patient. But what happened with some companions at the Battle of Uhud? What happened? When they could no longer see Hamza radiallahu anhu, they said, if he did not survive, how could we survive? When they heard that the Prophet ﷺ had been killed, they said, what's the point? You know what? Run away. Istakanu. They gave up. They surrendered. So Allah is in a way reprimanding them that the people of the past, no matter what loss they suffered, they did not lose confidence. They did not become weak. They did not surrender. And such people, who are they? Patient. Allah says, وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الصَّابِرِينَ And Allah loves those people who are patient. Allah loves those people who have sabr. And when Allah loves them, then obviously He is going to reward them. But it's not just that He will reward them, but that He actually, He really loves them. Imagine Allah loving an individual. But which individual? The one who has sabr. What do we think sabr is? That if you're suffering from something and you're crying and you're sad and you're depressed and you're just sitting in your room not talking to anybody, this is sabr. This is not sabr. What is sabr over here? Not losing courage, not feeling weak, not giving up. This is sabr. When somebody says to you, no, you can't go to Al-Huda. You can't take your Quran classes. You can't volunteer there. And you say, yeah, okay. And a tear falls, another tear falls. And you say, you know what? I can't take the course anymore. I can't help out anymore. Is that sabr? No. At that time, what do you have to do? Ask Allah. Ask Allah. Turn to Him. Ask Allah to give you strength, to give you determination. When you're sitting in the class and you say, my back, you know, it's really hurting. It's really hurting. I really need to stand up. I really need to go away. And you're just looking at the time, you're looking at the walls, you're looking at the windows, you're looking at the door, you're looking at the back. Like, I just want to get out. I just want to get out. Is this sabr? No. What is sabr? What is sabr? Sit. Ignore the back. It's only, you know, another 50 minutes. Right? Just tell yourself, it's only some time. It's only one day. It's only two days in the week. Not a big deal. It'll be over soon. This is important. I have to do this. I have to learn this. This is sabr. And when a person does sabr, then wallahu yuhibbu sabirin. Allah will love you. Allah will love you. You know, these problems in life, what are they in reality? They're just a reason for you to come closer to Allah. Because if these problems were not there, we would not even think about Allah. We would not even turn to Him. When we suffer from challenges, when we suffer from difficulties, then we say, Oh Allah. We say, Ya Allah. And then we cry in our prayers. We make dua. Otherwise we wouldn't bother. So it's just something that will draw you closer to Allah. It is a reason for you to do sabr so that Allah will love you. Wallahu yuhibbu sabirin. Allah loves the patient ones. وَمَا كَانَ قَوْلَهُمْ And their statement was not إِلَّا except أَنْقَالُوا That they said. After mentioning their attitude, their actions, Allah mentions their words. Because your attitude affects your end result, what else affects your end result? Your words. If you are feeling tired, you're feeling ضعف, right? And you say, I'm really tired, I'm really exhausted. 
You know, my arms are hurting, my hand, it's like going numb. How much am I supposed to write? I give up. If you keep saying this to yourself, whether in your head or out loud, seriously, you will not have energy. You will not have the strength. If you keep telling yourself, I'm so sleepy, I'm so sleepy, I'm so sleepy, then you know what? You're going to fall asleep. If you say, I can't do this, I can't do this, there's no way, I'm too weak, then you're not going to do it. Whatever you say gets embedded in your heart. What you say to yourself, you start to believe in it. Once you believe, then you don't have to tell yourself to do it. You'll do it anyway. So be careful about what you say. Me and my husband, we had made a rule in the house. Nobody's going to say, I'm tired. And that was very helpful. Because when there was work to do, right? And like I would say, I'm so tired. Then you know what that meant? That my husband would say, I'm also very tired. And if he would say, I'm tired, then I would say, you know what? I'm more tired. You were just out, and I was with the kids all day. So we had made a rule. Nobody's going to say, I am tired. And it really helped. Because you can't say it, you can't believe in it, then you actually find the energy to do the work that you have to do. So the Ribiyun, who were with the prophets, were fighting alongside them. What did they say? when they suffered from a difficulty, when they were in the thick of the battle, when their enemy was almost overcoming them, إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا They said, رَبَّنَا O our Lord, اغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا O our Lord, forgive us our sins. Zunub is a plural of them. O Allah, O our Lord, forgive us our sins. وَإِسْرَافَنَا And also forgive our israf. Zunub, sins, israf, excess. What is that? What is excess? Excessiveness. Israf is basically to cross the limit in anything by overdoing or underdoing. There is a certain limit, a range, you know, that something has to be done in. Okay? If you underdo it, that's israf. If you overdo it, that is also israf. Okay? So for example, there are some things that Allah has told us to do. We have to do them. If we don't do them, like for example, praying five times a day, if we fall short in that, is that israf? Yes. Likewise, there are certain things that Allah has forbidden upon us. If we do them, is that israf? Yes. So they said at this point that, Oh Allah, forgive us our sins and our israf. Forgive us our excessiveness. Fi amrina in our affair. Meaning, in our affair, in our situation, Whatever excessiveness we have committed, whatever sins we have committed, Oh Allah, forgive us for them. Why are they seeking forgiveness in the middle of the battle? I mean, shouldn't you be doing this in sajda when you're praying in peace? Why are they remembering their sins in battle? When you're suffering from a problem, what do you remember? When you're suffering from a problem, what do you remember? What do you think of? The wrong that you did, the mistakes that you committed. Isn't it so? Many times it happens, we do something wrong, and we're like, okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do? What happened? What went wrong where? Did I say something? Did I do something wrong? Did I think something I should not have thought? I must have done something. Because the reality is that whatever befalls us is a result of our own evil actions. Allah says, in Surah Ali Imran 165, When you suffered from a loss, you said, How is this possible? How come we're suffering from this? 
Allah says, قُلْ هُوَ مِنْ عِنْدِ أَنفُسِكُمْ Say, it is from yourselves, it was your own fault. So for example, at the battle of Uhud, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ told them, do not leave your spots. They left their spots, they disobeyed. Wasn't that Israf? Yes, that was Israf. So as a result, they suffered. And when a person seeks forgiveness from Allah, then he is humbling himself before Allah. Isn't that so? He's humbling himself before Allah so that he can invite the mercy of Allah. So they prayed for forgiveness. And they prayed for, وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا And make our feet firm. Sabbit from the word sabat. Sabata. To stabilize, to strengthen, to make something firm. So make firm what? Our feet. Plural of qadam. What does it mean by this? Make firm our feet. That give us the strength to continue. Because when the feet are not firm, then what's going to happen? A person can slip, he can fall. Okay? So this is like, make us, give us the courage, the confidence to keep facing the enemy, to keep fighting the enemy until the end. That we don't run away, we don't give up. وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا The thing is that when you're doing something, okay, when you're doing something important, then you face problems, you face challenges. Like what? You're driving and there is a huge truck, a massive truck right behind you. And then sometimes it goes in front of you, sometimes behind you and you're like, what is this truck driver doing? Did, did he rest enough? Is he drunk? Then what do you need at that time? Some confidence to continue, to get out of the way of that truck driver so that you can drive safely. But if you are overcome by the fear, I'm going to hit him or he's going to hit me, then what's going to happen? You're going to start panicking, right? You might say something that's not appropriate because people do that a lot when they're driving. They yell at others who cannot even hear what you're saying basically, right? So they say something that the angels are going to write, which is going to be an argument against you on the Day of Judgment, by the way. Or they end up speeding, they end up running a red light, they end up making a mistake. They end up doing something wrong. What is needed at that time? Patience. ثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا That, oh Allah, make my feet firm, give me stability. That I remain calm, I remain patient, I don't give up. Likewise, you plan to take a course, but it seems to be so long. It's been over a year, and you're like, how much longer is it going to be? Three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, how long? I'm going to be doing this until I have gray hair. Right? So you say, you know what? Too long. I give up. What do you need? Stability, firmness of the feet so that you can continue. Basically, what happens is that a person is in need of Allah stabilizing his heart, his feet in three cases, in three situations. One, in the way of Allah. Whether it is sitting in a classroom, taking a course, reading a good book, doing something to please Allah, volunteering something for the sake of Allah, right? In this case, fighting in the way of Allah, the context that we are reading these verses in. So in the way of Allah, a person needs that Allah should stabilize his feet. Because if that is not the case, what will happen? A person will give up and he will run away. A person will give up and he will run away. Secondly, a person is in need of Allah stabilizing his feet in the face of shubuhat, in the face of doubts. 
Meaning, when there are doubts coming into his head. Is this true? Is Allah there? Is shaitan even there? You know, such doubts that come in. You need Allah to stabilize your heart, your yaqeen, because otherwise you would deviate. You would go astray. Like for example, there was a person at the time of the Prophet ﷺ who would actually write the wahi. When the verses were revealed, the Prophet ﷺ would recite to him and he would write them. Because the Prophet ﷺ himself was ummi, he could not write himself. This individual would write the verses. And once the Prophet ﷺ recited some verses to him to write down, and when he had not finished reciting, and that individual, he said some words, and they were actually part of the verse. But the Prophet ﷺ had not yet recited to him. Okay? So this individual, he thought, shak came into his heart. He thought, that, oh, then even I can make up the Qur'an. It was just like a guess, because the verses of the Qur'an are so rhythmic that you can almost guess what's coming after. Like for example, if you're reading Surah Al-Rahman, you know exactly when the verse is going to come. Isn't it so? Why? It's so predictable. The endings of the verses are also so predictable, especially in the Makkan verses. So this individual, he said, oh, you know what? I can also make up the Qur'an. Shak overcame him. He left the Prophet ﷺ, he left Islam and went. So we need Allah to stabilize our heart at the time of shubuhat. You know, sometimes it happens that you were sitting in a world religion class and something is mentioned about Islam, about the Prophet ﷺ and you're like doubting in your heart. You have questions in your heart. So when those questions come, what do you need? Oh Allah, sabbit aqdamana. Oh Allah, make my heart firm. Because if Allah does not make your heart firm at that time, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go astray. Thirdly, you need Allah to stabilize your heart in the face of desires. In the face of shahawat. Otherwise, a person would be destroyed. Because many times it happens that a person knows he has yaqeen, he has ilm. In theory, he knows this is right, this is wrong. But then when that desire overcomes him, then he slips. And if Allah does not give him the stability, he cannot continue. I read a story, it has been written by a scholar, I believe Ibn al-Jawzi. He wrote the story about a man who was a very learned man from the city of Baghdad. He was a very educated man, very learned man, and I mean religiously learned, a scholar who had many students. And he decided to go for hajj with his students. They were traveling and they passed by a place where they camped, where they stayed, and there was a church over there, and there was a woman. And when he saw her, he fell in love with her. A human being. Desire overcame him. And he proposed to her, but she said that, no, I'm not going to marry a Muslim man. So he left his religion in order to marry her. Imagine, he left his religion in order to marry her. Desire overcame him so much that he forgot the ilm. He forgot the yaqeen. Tell me, we learned about those who suppress their anger. Do we not know in theory that we're supposed to control our anger? We do. Of course we do. Look at your notes. You do. If I question you, you will give me the right answers because you know. In concept we know. But what happens when that desire overcomes? Everything gone. Everything gone. It's like we never knew. 
So what do you need at that time of anger? That Allah stabilizes your heart, that you're able to control yourself. Because if Allah does not stabilize you, then you are a loser. It doesn't matter what you know, what you've learned, what you've read, what you've studied, it does not matter. So وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا ثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا Make this dua regularly. Regularly. That, oh Allah, make our feet firm. Make my heart firm. Because otherwise, we will run away when we're in the way of Allah. We will deviate if we are facing any doubts. We will meet our destruction if we are overcome by our desires. ثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا Then the next dua they made, وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ And help us against the disbelieving people. Meaning help us against those who disbelieve, our enemy, give us victory over them. So what do we see in this ayah? That the Rabbiyun who were with the prophets, they had excellent actions and excellent statements. And these two are the way to success. If you want to be successful, your behavior, your attitude, and your words, these two matter a lot. Your behavior and your words, your attitude and your words. Really, it's not so much you know, about the work that you're doing. It's your attitude towards the work that will lead you to success or failure. If you take that work as a burden, then you will lose. But if you enjoy the work, you will be successful. Your attitude determines your altitude. And your words, what do you say to yourself? Do you talk to Allah or not? Do you ask Him for help or not? If you do so, you are successful. And if you don't, then success is far away. فَأَتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ so Allah gave them thawab dunya the reward of dunya, thawab from thawaba. فَأَتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ ثَوَابَ dunya. Allah gave them the reward in this life. What was that? Victory over the enemy, izza, ghalaba. Allah gave them the reward in this world. وَحُسْنَ ثَوَابِ الْآخِرَةِ And this world eventually is going to be over anyway. So what's the main thing? The reward of the hereafter. So Allah gave them the reward of the hereafter as well. But notice the description of the reward of the hereafter is what? Husna. For the reward of dunya, has the word husn been used? No. فَأَتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ ثَوَابَ dunya. But for the reward of the hereafter, what has been said? وَحُسْنَ ثَوَابَ الْآخِرَةِ Why husn? Because the reward of the hereafter is better than the reward of this world. You know, Ayyub salam, when he was patient for so long and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded him in this life for his sabr. Part of the reward that was given to him was that locusts of gold, gold locusts, imagine, were rained on him. Okay? Gold doesn't fall from the sky. It doesn't. And gold doesn't come in the form of locusts. But this was an exceptional case for Ayyub salam, the reward for his patience in this world. Now, if this is a reward of this dunya, what about the hereafter? Imagine. وَحُسْنَ ثَوَابِ الْآخِرَةِ Excellent reward of the hereafter. That is much better. And the reward of this dunya, eventually it's over. No matter what you accomplish, it's over. No matter what you achieve in this dunya, it becomes outdated. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? You know, you get all these trophies and medals. You value them a lot. But if you're gone, who cares about them? Who cares about them? 
Nobody does. I've seen myself how somebody's trophies and medals were given to somebody in Pakistan who was collecting um, metal objects for the purpose of recycling. Over here, what happens? You just throw it in the garbage, right? You put it in the recycling bin. In Pakistan, I saw myself how the trophies and, you know, they were given to a person who came on a cart asking for things of metal and he was given those so that he could go and sell them and make some money. The reward of dunya leaves you or you leave it. But the reward of the hereafter is husn. It is excellent. It is much better. وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And Allah loves the people who do ihsan. Because this was ihsan on their part when they did not give up, when they had sabr, when they prayed to Allah, when they begged Him for forgiveness, when they asked Him, when they relied upon Him. This was ihsan. So notice all the good attributes that are being mentioned. وَسَيَجْزِ اللَّهُ الشَّاكِرِينَ وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الصَّابِرِينَ وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ شَاكِرِينَ صَابِرِينَ مُحْسِنِينَ Shukr, sabr, ihsan. They're all connected. Shukr leads to sabr, which leads to ihsan. When you're grateful, then you're patient. You remain firm. And when you remain firm, then you bring excellence in your deeds. You bring excellence in your deeds. Then you do what you do in the best way possible. Because otherwise, then you just want to get over the work. Right? Then you wouldn't bring excellence in your work. Some people do work just to get over it. Other people, they do it with passion. And when they do it, they do it really well. This comes from what? Sabr. Which comes from what? Shukr. Wallahu yuhibbul muhsineen. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. قاتل معه ربيون كثير فما وهنوا فما وهنوا لما أصابهم في سبيل الله وما ضعفوا وما استكانوا والله يحب الصابرين وما كان قولهم إلا أن قالوا ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين فآتاهم الله ثواب الدنيا وحسن ثواب الآخرة والله يحب المحسنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا O you who have believed إن تطيعوا الذين كفروا If you obey those people who disbelieve You obey them in the matter of religion in ibadah then what will happen? يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ They will turn back on your heels, plural of عَقِبْ فَتَنْقَلِبُوا خَاسِرِينَ And then you will turn back as losers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to advance forward, to succeed, not to go backwards, not to fail. This is why Allah tells us to be careful that who do we listen to, who do we follow. We have learned earlier, سَابِقُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةِ Run, hasten to forgiveness. فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Run to Allah. 
Enter into Islam completely. Allah wants us to move ahead. That each day should make us better. Should advance us. That we should progress every day. But there are some people who if we listen to them, if we obey them, if we follow their example, then we're not going to move ahead. We're actually going to fall behind. We're actually going to fail. We're going to go backwards. And all those people are who? الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those people who disbelieve. This does not mean that you don't obey them in any matter. So if there is a non-Muslim teacher, you say, I don't have to listen to you. Allah tells me if I listen to you, then you know I'm going to suffer. So I don't care about the assignments you give. No, this is not what it means. In the matter of religion, in the matter of aqidah, in the matter of you know, the attitude that you should have towards your work. If you follow their example, then you will turn back as disbelievers and you will become losers. This ayah was basically revealed concerning the hypocrites. Okay? And the hypocrites, apparently they say they believe, but what does Allah say about them? وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ So they are part of الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا What happened at the battle of Uhud? 300 of them they abandoned the Prophet ﷺ and went back to Medina. Because they were angry with the Prophet ﷺ that you did not accept our suggestion, you did not listen to us, therefore we're not going to listen to you. Now imagine, the Muslims return to Medina. And there the 300 hypocrites are perfectly safe. And they're looking at them, yeah, you didn't come with us, see what happened to you? You stayed with the Prophet ﷺ, see? How much you suffered? So at this time, what do you think an ordinary person would feel? That I should have done what these people did. I should have gone back with them. I should have stayed with them. I should not have gone along with the Prophet ﷺ. Likewise, it may happen that there is a person who doesn't believe in Allah. They're living such a happy life, such a free life. They eat whatever they want. They go wherever they want. They party however they want. They dress however they want. And here you are feeling that you're living a life in shackles, in chains, in limits, in binds. So it is tempting to follow the ways of الَّذِينَ kafaru Because they're living an easy life. They're not suffering. Isn't it tempting? Tell me, isn't it? Come on. Be honest. It is tempting. You want to sometimes do what they're doing. Live like them, behave like them, talk like them, dress like them. But Allah says if you do so, you're going to become losers. If you obey them, you're going to become losers. Because those who participated in the battle of Uhud, they got some reward which those who went back never got. Never ever got. Those who lost their lives in the battle of Uhud, and by the way, everyone is going to die someday or the other, right? Those who died at the battle of Uhud, earned such great reward, such high ranks in the sight of Allah, that those who abandoned the Prophet ﷺ that day, did not get. And when you don't get something, then you lose. When you don't earn something that is valuable, then you are a loser. فَتَنْقَلِبُ خَاسِرِينَ so it happens that you're studying the Qur'an, coming on the weekends, 
And you see so many people, they're having such an easy time on the weekends and you say, what am I doing? I'm living such a difficult life. The weekend comes in, people relax and I start panicking and worrying. My work begins. People are relaxing, having a Friday night out and here I am. I didn't go to that wedding, I didn't go to that party because I have to prepare. Saturday morning, everybody's at the mall because of such good deals, such good sales. And here I am in the class. But Allah says, if you follow their ways, then you will suffer. Because what you're getting in the way of Allah, you cannot get elsewhere. The benefits, the reward you get in the way of Allah, you cannot get elsewhere. You cannot get through other means. And especially if you leave the way of Allah, and you turn your back towards it, that is much worse for a person. فَتَنْقَلِبُوا خَاسِرِينَ Allah says, بَلِ اللَّهُ مَوْلَاكُمْ Allah is your mawla, but Allah is your protector. Why are you worried? You think you will lose? You think you will suffer? You think this loss is very great? Don't worry, don't be sad. Allah is your protector. And when Allah is your friend, when Allah is helping you, when Allah is aiding you, then everything will become easy for you. Meaning, the worldly things will become easy for you. بَلِ اللَّهُ مَوْلَاكُمْ Maryam, when she dedicated her entire time to the worship of Allah, then did Allah not send her rizq? Tell me, did Allah not send her rizq? Allah did. Did Allah not take care of her needs? Yes, He did. So much so that Zakaria would come and he would be surprised that where did this come from? So when a person goes out in the way of Allah, then who is his friend? Allah. Balillahu Mawlakum. So don't worry, don't be sad that you miss that great deal. And you won't be able to buy all those clothes in that limited amount of money. No, Allah is your mawla. The clothes of this dunya, they'll become outdated. Soon they'll be thrown away. But the knowledge, the ilm, the Qur'an, the nur, that is unmatched. بَلِلَّهُ مَوْلَاكُمْ وَهُوَ خَيْرُ النَّاصِرِينَ And He is the best of the helpers. Meaning He is the best helper that you can have. If Allah helps you, you are victorious. And if Allah leaves you, then no one can help you. So what do we see in this ayah? That when a person is in the way of Allah, then Allah is his protector. And this means that a person has to turn to Allah for help. He has to beg Him. He has to ask Him. He has to turn to Him. And Allah will grant him victory. Allah will help him in his affairs. When Allah loves a servant, then what happens? Allah is merciful to him. Allah helps him the way He does not help others. There is a khas relationship between him and his Lord. So, بَلِلَّهُ مَوْلَاكُمْ And the fact is that when we are in the way of Allah, being in the way of Allah alone is not sufficient. So don't just think that if you're studying the Qur'an, everything should become easy. No. You have to ask Allah for help. If you're just studying the Qur'an, if you're just volunteering in the way of Allah, that's just one part of the equation. You also have to ask Him for help. You have to accept Him as your mawla. And when you will do that, then nasr will come. Then help will come. We think that the moment we do something good, automatically everything should become good. No. It will become good when you ask Allah. 
Tell me, the Prophet ﷺ, was he not in the way of Allah? He was. Did he not make dua? Yes, he did. Did he not beg Allah? Yes, he did. You know, a very interesting story. Sa'ad bin Waqas عنه, at the Fath of Madain. Madain is a place. So when he was going to conquer that place, basically there is a river, right? Dijla, Tigris is right by it. And it was flooded at that time. And the Muslims had no boats to cross the river with. They had no boats, no means of crossing the river. If they did not cross the river, they could not conquer that place. Because there was a siege over there and they had to conquer. They had to get into the cities. So Sa'ad bin Waqas anhu, he discussed with Salman al-Farisi that what should we do? Because Salman al-Farisi was, you know, he knew about great battle tactics. He's the one who suggested that a trench be dug in Medina at the Battle of Trench. So Salman al-Farisi, he said that we do not have any boats to cross it. So let me see the people. Let me see the army, the men of the army. If they're deserving of victory, meaning depending on how they worship Allah, what kind of attitude they have, what kind of actions they commit, what kind of akhlaq they have, depending on that, you know, we'll take some drastic steps. Because if they're deserving of victory, then Allah will definitely give us victory. So he went and he observed the people for three days. And he saw that all the people of the Muslim army, what were they? During the day, they were like horses, you know, so brave, so courageous, working, you know, striving, preparing for the battle, focused on their work. And in the night, they were ruhban. They were devout worshippers, begging Allah for help. They were doing their part, preparing, and they were also asking Allah. So Salman Farisi, he went to Sa'ad bin Waqqas, and he said, the Bani Israel, they were helped by Allah. And we are more deserving of Allah's help. He said, cross the river. Cross the river as is on your horses. Imagine a river, a flooded river. And the Muslims, they crossed it not on boats, not on canoes, but on their feet, on their horses. A river that is so deep, a river that is so deep, they crossed it. And when they were crossing it, the enemy inside Madain, they said, you're not dealing with people, you're dealing with demons. Give up. They gave up. They surrendered. And the Muslims were victorious. Allah is your mawla. We do our part during the day. We study. We work. We help out. But in the night, we don't do our part. We don't talk to Allah. We don't ask Him. We don't beg Him. We don't ask Him for help. We just think the help should come automatically. It will come when you ask Him. And it's strange that Allah asks us every night, is there anyone who needs something? Allah descends to the lowest heaven and asks, is there anyone who needs something I can give? Allah is offering us help, but we don't want to ask at that time. We don't want to ask. When do you ask for help? When you are really passionate about what you want, when you really want it, when you're desperate for it. So your goal, your mission, sometimes it becomes hard for you to achieve. Allah sends difficulties your way. One reaction at that time is, you're like, you know what, it's too hard, I give up. The other reaction is, no, I'm not giving up. Allah, I ask you, 
Allah, you give me, you help me, I beg you. And when you ask him, then he will give you. When you beg him, then he will grant you. Because if he granted it to you without your begging, without your desperation, believe me, you wouldn't value it. You wouldn't give any importance to it. بَلِ اللَّهُ مَوْلَاكُمْ وَهُوَ خَيْرُ النَّاصِرِينَ سَنُلْقِي فِي قُلُوبِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الرُّعْبَ Part of how Allah helps those who deserve His help is that سَنُلْقِي فِي قُلُوبِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الرُّعْبَ We will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. The mushrikeen left Uhud. They left Uhud. And when they left, they knew that the Prophet ﷺ was alive. Because when the Prophet ﷺ ascended the mountain, and the Muslims who were taking refuge over there, they saw him coming, they were overjoyed, and they started telling one another that the Prophet ﷺ is alive. And their loud yells and cries, they were heard by the mushrikeen. One of the men, he came back in order to kill the Prophet ﷺ. But when he came, the Prophet ﷺ hit a spear at him. And that man, he did not die at that point, but he managed to get away. He got back and he informed the people that the Prophet ﷺ was alive. So the mushrikeen knew. They knew the Muslims were wounded. There were only a few of them left. And they were taking refuge on the mountain. You think the mushrikeen could not come back and kill the Prophet ﷺ? They could have. There was a conversation that took place even. Sufyan, Khalid bin Walid, you know from the Mushrikeen side, and Umar from the Muslim side. Right? There was a conversation which was very interesting, which inshallah I'll mention to you after some time. So at that time also they knew, because they asked, is Muhammad alive? And they were told yes. They could have come and killed the Prophet ﷺ, killed those few Muslims who were left, but they didn't. Why? What happened? Allah tells us here, Sanulki, soon we will cast fi kafaru in the hearts of the disbelievers a rub awe. What is rub? Fear and panic. When the heart is filled with fear, that it is impossible for the body to remain firm and stable. Then, you know, when you're overcome with fear, then you can't do anything. When you overcome with fear, you know, you see in those movies the gun drops and the knife or the sword, whatever that also falls. Right? When a person is in fear, then the body gives up as well. This is what rub is. So they were filled with fear of who? Of the Prophet ﷺ. Of the Muslims. Terror. Even though the Muslims were few? Yes. Why? Bima ashraku billah. Because they do shirk with Allah. When a person does shirk, then what does it mean? He relies on other than Allah. And he develops many fears then. He fears the sun and he fears the moon and he fears the passing of a black cat. Anything that happens, he begins to fear it. You know, people develop superstitions, right? It makes a person a coward. Shirk makes a person a coward. And tawheed on the other hand, belief in Allah alone, that makes a person strong and courageous. So because of their shirk, they were overcome with fear of the Prophet ﷺ, of the Muslims, that something might happen, let's just get away, they might come and attack us, they won at Badr, they can win again now. And they had this belief that Allah is the one whom the Muslims worshipped. And if they had hurt the Messenger of Allah, then obviously something evil was expected. 
Malam yunazzil bihi sultana. That for which Allah has not sent down any authority, meaning Allah has not given any evidence, any authority for doing shirk. There's no reason, there's no proof. وَمَأْوَاهُمُ النَّارِ And their abode is the fire. وَبِئْسَ مَثْوَ الظَّالِمِينَ And how terrible is the abode of the wrongdoers. Ma'wa is a place where a person takes refuge. And Mathwa is a place of residence. Ma'wa from Hamza Wawiyah and Mathwa from the root letters Sawawiyah. The Prophet ﷺ said, I have been given five things which were not given to anyone else before me. And one of the things that Allah gave him was that Allah made me victorious by awe. That Allah has frightened my enemies. Allah has given me nusirtu bil-rurb. That Allah helped him with rurb. That people were in awe of him for a distance of one month's journey. Meaning even if a person was so far away from him, still he was afraid of him. Think about it. The Prophet ﷺ lived in Makkah. You think the mushrikeen could not easily kill him? They could have. At Badr, at Uhud, so many times. I mean... There were many chances for the mushrikeen to come and kill the Prophet ﷺ, but they weren't able to because they were afraid of him. You know how certain individuals are such that you just look at them and you get afraid? They have such a personality that you just look at them and you're like, you forget everything you had to say. Right? Sometimes the teacher or the principal or the headmistress or whoever, like you just look at them and you forget everything. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ was given a lot of rurb. The people were afraid of him. And this ayah teaches us that when a person has tawheed, meaning he believes in tawheed, the stronger his faith in Allah, the greater the rurb is. The weaker the faith, the weaker the rurb. Then a person is overcome by fear. Recitation. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu تُطِيعُوا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ فَتَنْقَلِبُوا خَاسِرِينَ بَلِ اللَّهُ مَوْلَاكُمْ وَهُوَ خَيْرُ النَّاصِرِينَ سَنُلْقِي فِي قُلُوبِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الرُّعْبَ بِمَا أَشْرَكُوا بِاللَّهِ مَا لَمْ يُنَزِّلْ بِهِ سُلْطَانًا وَمَأْوَاهُمُ النَّارِ وَبِئْسَ مَثْوَى الظَّالِمِينَ 